What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show where we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we have, we have a fun one today. At least in my head, it's a fun one. Um, <laughs> and our question is, what if everyone lived in a shell, you know, like, like a hermit crab shell? So I'm not sure exactly what parameters you guys use to establish what counts as a hermit crab shell. But I was kind of figuring, just like, it's a, you know, a, a hard thing that you, that fits your body in it. I mean, I, I kind of go into that a little bit in my answer. Not too much, but a little bit. I kind of hand waved it away. So why don't you take the lead, Chris? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the question, because we specifically said the question, it's like a hermit crab. So I started looking into hermit crabs and like their behavior with shells. So hermit crabs don't actually create their own shells like some other animals do. They actually, they like search for vacant shells and just live in those. And as they grow, they, they change shells. So they need bigger shells um, because the shell doesn't grow with them, obviously. So I thought this was kind of interesting because it makes, it sort of makes shells like a limited resource. So like sometimes hermit crabs will fight against each other for over a shell. Sometimes they'll fight to the death if, if it's like a dire situation. But sometimes, um, so what happens sometimes if they see a vacant shell and it's too big for them, instead of just like moving on and trying to find some other shell, what they'll do is they'll stand next to the shell and they'll wait for up to eight hours. And like what happens over those eight hours is other hermit crabs will come and look at that vacant shell and they'll also assess if it's too big for them or not. If it is too big, they'll fo start forming a line next to that shell. <laughs> what? Yeah, so it'll be like a line of hermit crabs, and they'll be organized from largest to smallest. And then what happens is that once the right hermit crab comes with that's like the right size for that shell, that hermit crab will take the vacant shell and shed its old shell. And then everyone in that line, in that chain, will um, like rapidly swap shells with each other <laughs> just down the what? line. Yeah. That's so, so wholesome. I know. I've definitely seen this. Did we talk about this before? Or have I just seen this and I assumed because it's a random fact we talked about this on the show before? <laughs> I don't know. It I does... can't, no, I can't. I think I would recall this one. Okay. Yes, there's videos of it. It's incredible. It does seem like something we would talk about. It does feel like something we'd talk about, but I don't know when we ever would have, so. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually called a vacancy chain. There's like a name for it. And I guess a few other animals do it too, but hermit crabs do it. So I was like, this is a, a really cool idea of just like hermit crabs exchanging shells like as a hand-me-down sort of thing. Um, so I was like, okay, how does this apply to humans? How can we use this if we are using shells or if we're living in shells? So obviously humans don't create our own shells as well. So we'll have to find our own shells. But then as you grow, because our kids grow pretty fast, we'll need some sort of program where... Once they outgrow their shell, then we'll need some other shell that's vacant. So I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be some sort of program, like an organized program, kind of just like a hand-me-down program. They do have 
like hand-me-down closed programs right now it's not really like widespread organized but i think you could organize it well enough where like you have a pool of people that are slightly taller than you and a pool of people that are slightly shorter than you that you know of and when you need a new shell you just look into those pools i love the idea of being like all right you got to find somebody you know either in your grade or one or below you that's just the right amount smaller than you are (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean this will probably all be like officially done because like we already record our heights when we go to the pediatrics like a pediatrician they record this on growth charts so it'll just be like more official we'll just keep track of it closer and most of your growth takes place within like the first 20 years of your life and then it sort of evens out so this will really be mostly for kids and teens but uh i wanted to see like do we actually have shells that are big enough for adults and even like the later portion of of kids so what hermit crabs use are gastropod shells those are the vacant shells they use um so I, i i figure we'd at least start there and and see if that can sustain us so i looked up like the the largest gastropod shells in the registry of world records size shells the largest existing species of shell is three feet big or i guess three feet long so it's it's actually pretty big but in terms of humans it's not big (laughs) so from growth charts just looking at growth charts three feet a three-foot-sized shell would cover about, like, up to a three-year-old. So not great in terms of shells that we can use. The registry doesn't actually include extinct species, so there are some extinct species that have much larger shells, but obviously they're extinct, so they don't, they're not around. We can't use their shells. But the thing is, we don't necessarily have to use gastropod shells. So hermit crabs will actually... If they can't find a gastropod shell, they'll just use like other things like tin cans or just like whatever they can find. So this got a little weird for how it works with humans, because technically we could probably just make our own shells, like manufacture shells. But I feel like that's kind of against the rules a little bit in terms of what I was saying. So if we're going off of like hermit crab behavior, where they just find whatever's in nature or like whatever they can find, I think... That kind of applies to us, too. So what can we find in nature that we can use as a shell? And there are other animals that have shells, not just gastropods. So I, I started looking at turtles. Turtles have shells. This is the facts you get from absurd hypotheticals. Turtles have <laughs> shells. <laughs> Little known facts. <laughs> well, we, we had a whole scrapped episode where we were going to talk about turtles, and then we decided not to. So this is... I get to talk about turtles now. <laughs> yeah, Revenge of the Turtles. Thank God we didn't abandon all that hot material like turtles have shells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of many turtle facts. <laughs> so the largest turtle shells... I, I looked at like the largest turtles just to see like, what adults, adult humans can use. So the loggerhead turtle... It has the largest hard shell. So average adult loggerhead turtles are around three feet long, but they can get up to seven feet long. So three feet is the average, but obviously seven foot is the outlier, but they do exist. So we can use those as adults. But since the average is three and we need probably need more than that, the leatherback turtle is the largest turtle species in general, but they don't have hard shells, which is why I guess they classify us that. So they're... Their shell is actually covered by skin and oily flesh, which is kind of gross. <laughs> yep, when you put it that way. <laughs> but what we lose in hardness, we gain in size. So the average shell of a leatherback turtle 
ranges anywhere from 3.3 feet to 5.7 feet. And then they do have those outlier cases as well with like up to seven feet. So the average human height is in men, it's 5.6 feet and women, it's 5.2 feet. So that's like perfect. That's like fits right within our range of the average shell size. And it, and the average shell size of the leatherback covers the whole range of from gastropod, the, the three foot gastropod to adulthood. So I figure like anywhere from between when we're born to three years old, we use a gastropod shell. And then after that, we'll use a turtle shell. The sad news to this is probably that we're going to have to kill a lot of turtles. <laughs> um, I don't or think they breed a bunch of turtles and hang out with them as best friends until they pass away from old age. The only problem is turtles probably live a long time, huh? Turtles do yeah, live a long time. live a long time. I think we actually did talk about that once. Yeah, I do hate, by the way, this mental image of a, a like, grown man in a turtle shell. By the way, I just want to put that out there. It's terrible, <laughs> and I hate it. Yeah, the thing is, turtle shells do weigh a lot. I couldn't actually find the whole, like, the an exact weight for the shells, but I imagine they're pretty heavy, and we would probably either just like not move a lot or we'd need to get a lot stronger yeah we just be jacked every day is leg day well i, I imagine we wouldn't be walking walking on two legs anymore we'd probably have like maybe wheels on our stomach and we'll like move around like a turtle <laughs> <laughs> like those turtle pets that don't have like missing legs they give the little wheels too yeah oh that's adorable so yeah i guess that's kind of what we do turtle shells do actually decompose they decompose a little slower than the turtle itself so the turtle like the body of the turtle will decompose and then the shell will be left over but then if you don't preserve the shell it will decompose so you'll have to do that you'll have to clean it out and dry it out and then like apply a coating but once you do that you basically have you use that shell for the rest of your life after your 20s throughout adulthood so that'll be your shell so i guess that's it babies will be in gastropod shells everyone else will be in turtle shells I like how your I like how your answer like it, it probably just shows the human condition that your answer evolved from the very wholesome hermit crab style, which is to wait in line patiently and trade off shells in a nice you know orderly fashion. And meanwhile, ours is like we're just gonna have to kill a bunch of endangered turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean turtles don't abandon their shells. Like actually, I guess gastropods they would die in their shells. So I guess it'd be the same for gastropods too. <laughs> ben, do you also have as much murder in your answer? I have. I mean, I don't think I have any murder. I didn't. I guess I'll go ahead and put this out there. I didn't plan on any murder, but I mean, I'm going to leave my options open. <laughs> like, just don't rule it out. Words to live by. Oh yeah, that's my credo. So I I wanted to look at kind of how um how a shell for home based society kind of like develops, and then what it's sort of like in a more you know in in the modern modern era, I guess. So I guess. With regards to, like, the development of human society, obviously we're going to be a nomadic people because we are literally always carrying our homes with us. Like, that's basically the textbook definition of being nomadic, right? And I feel like in this situation where we're still using shells always, it, for some reason, just doesn't ever dawn on us to build homes, which is very (laughs) funny to me. Like, we're just like, screw it, this is good enough, and we just never think to do anything else. And there's kind of some some trickle down stuff, and one of the biggest things I was actually thinking of because I am me is actually cooking. <laughs> of course, you're thinking about cooking. Well, no, but but it's it's interesting, right? Because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of foods that we eat that if you're always going to be in a society, you're always going to have you know just be care you know living in like 
a turtle shell or whatever, you're just not really going to be able to have the stuff with you to cook a lot of it. I think the things that really what's, what's going to wind up happening is that pretty much all of the things that we will cook will be the kind of things that you cook outdoors, right? So really the, the two sort of ways you're cooking, in my opinion, are grilling. You have some sort of meat or whatever, and you have a fire, you know, either with like a grate over it or just, an, you know, an open fire with like a, like a um, what's the thing where you have like a stick on sticks that like... Kebabs? No, no, like like over the fire. Oh, like with the pig over a fire? Yeah, on a, a, spit? a spit, a spit, there we go. Like <laughs> a spit or whatever. Doing that, or you're doing like stews, right? Where you have a campfire with like some sort of pot or something, and you have shit in there that you cook into a stew or something. I like that your description of the spit was a stick on a stick. <laughs> yeah, I said a stick on sticks, to be fair. Stick on oh. sticks. It's the hottest new toy yet. Stick on a stick. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you tired of playing with your hoop and a stick? How about a stick and a stick? And I think that sort of what's going to come along with that as well is that both of those methods of cooking are kind of a little more time intensive and not really labor intensive, but you have to like, you know, build a fire or something for it. So I think that group cooking is going to be a very, you're not really going to cook for yourself much as a like early human, which I guess is kind of also true about actual early humans. So yay, it works. But I think what's going to happen is that's going to sort of carry through to modern day as well. Because once again, people aren't going to have much the way of personal possessions um, because you don't have room for it in a shell. So I think that we're always going to wind up living in kind of communities. Um, Because what I was trying to figure out for a long time was how owning a home would actually work, right? Because technically everyone owns a home, but also your home is literally just like shelter and nothing else. Shelter. Shell. Jesus. (laughs) I don't know if I'm more disappointed that you made the pun or that I didn't (laughs) think of the pun. I think I'm actually more disappointed in myself. As you should be. Yep. As I always am. Um, so I think what winds up happening is that the way that we sort of, of live, sort of the equivalent of like an apartment building now, it's basically a campground. It's pretty much just a open space where you have some amount of, you know, area that is, you know, yours. And there has to be some sort of shared like bathroom, maybe cooking space, I guess, probably as well. And then I would assume some kind of like locker, at least based storage. That's all I could figure, because I don't know how else just living would work. Like, is there any other way you can do that or that I'm missing? Or is that kind of it, right? Like, space with shared, quote-unquote, utilities? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, basically, what I'm describing is a trailer park. <laughs> We're all going to be living in a trailer park. So yeah, that's the mental. That's the exact mental image I had. It's a trail. It is. It's just a trailer park because that's basically you know you have a space. That space has like sewage attached to it and electricity and stuff, and that's kind of you know your space. And there's usually also like generally I was looking at them. There generally is like a clubhouse, which is kind of weird to me, but I guess it makes sense. I don't know. But I want to see kind of how expensive that is compared to you know like living in an actual apartment building or something. Because I really actually knew how expensive living in a, in a like mobile home park is, and it varies. It varies in kind of hilarious ways. So the cheapest, according to the, like the, the report I found, was in Indiana, where it's $140 a month, which sounds awesome. That includes trash pickup. It's great. Most expensive is in Delaware, where it costs $800 a month, which is the saddest thing I've ever heard. 
What's Del? Did like Delaware have like that nice a trailer park? I think it's just a very small state. That's all I can assume is that it's a very small state, so land is expensive. That's literally the only thing that makes sense to me. Is that how that works? Like, <laughs> like I mean, I guess if if it's what does a Delaware if it's even a, do nowadays. What does Delaware even do? I don't know. It's a very good question, but. <laughs> Yeah. Also, in California, it's seven hundred and seven dollars. These are also averages, which is terrifying because it means that in Delaware and California, there are probably trailer parks where you pay more than a thousand dollars a month, which seems once again just buck wild to me. But whatever. It also means that in Indiana, there's probably ones that are under a hundred dollars a month, which is also buck wild for different reasons. But that overall winds up being obviously a pretty um, a pretty economical, you know, housing solution, which is actually pretty nice. Um, there was one small problem that I couldn't figure out a way to actually like do any real calculations on. What I quickly realized is that with regards to, say, a city, obviously a lot of people in cities live in, you know, an actual apartment building where you have much higher population density than if you have just people on flat ground. I don't know a way around that because I feel like any time I feel like all you can do is put people closer together, which I guess is what you're going to have to do. And it's going to be miserable. Where you're basically just condensing people into, like, literally the smallest lot possible that you can just fit a shell on. Can't you build, like, levels or so something? I thought of... So I was trying to figure that out, right? Like a parking garage almost? Like, you'd have, like... I think that's what it would you would wind up doing. An AstroTurf parking garage. <laughs> so the weird thing is, I think it winds up being more expensive than living in, like, the flat ground area just because you are technically protected somewhat from the elements. I don't know. But that's kind of what I where I wound up. I have zero idea how, like, one, if that violates our, like, no home situation or not. Yeah, does the garage count as part of a right. home? That's what, I couldn't, that's what I couldn't figure out. So I kind of shied away from it and just think we'd pack people in on, like, very, very small lots, which sounds awful, but... The other weird thing about that is that it gets kind of complicated with my all of our cooking is outside idea because you have just a bunch of like open fl- like fires in uh, in a parking garage, which seems bad. Well, you can have a central chimney. You can, you can you can create something to yeah funnel smoke out. I think the actual answer is probably that cities are just a lot smaller, and we just have you know we have a lot fewer like putting thousands of people into like a square mile and a lot more you know just evenly dispersed like towns but it would be awkward you know don't don't get me wrong but i know there will still be people who want to actually own a place because this is all still just renting you know land effectively i didn't want to figure out how much it would actually cost to quote-unquote own quote-unquote a home (laughs) (laughs) and really what it's going to come down to is buying land and then getting attached to utilities, um, which conveniently we can obviously find price on both of those. I found out that the cost of land varies, you know, once again, and I, I knew this, maybe not to this degree, wildly between states. The cheapest being in Wyoming, where land is $1,588 per acre, and the most expensive being New Jersey. Would either of you like to guess how much an acre of land in New Jersey is? Ugh. I will tell you, I will tell you, so the cheapest was 1588 The median in the U.S. is about $10,000. Okay. So I'm going to guess 35000 35, $35,000. i am going to guess 50000 So let me actually, I saw this open. $35,000 will get you an acre of land. 
That's about the m- amount for an acre of land in Ohio, which is the ninth most expensive, where it's 32000 You said 50000 Yeah. So 50000 is between New York and Delaware, which are 7th and 6th. Delaware is 57000 New York is 41000 uh, New Jersey, an acre of land, is $196,410 on average. Jesus. What is Jersey doing? Also, what is with Delaware coming up again? I think it's, it's small states, dude. That's all. It's, it's small states in the north, like kind of northeast. I don't know. I have Googled what does Delaware even do. <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah. And so basically it seems to be a tax haven. So what are the benefits of living in Delaware? Delaware is named the most tax-friendly state and the most tax-friendly state for retirees. There's no state or local sales tax, no inheritance tax, and no personal property tax. The next question that comes up when you're you know, having questions, Google gives you other questions that people also ask. So first was what are the benefits? And it's all about taxes. Second... Is Delaware the most boring state? Uh, according <laughs> to the Huffington Post, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Tied with Nebraska. I mean, it is the state that I'm the most likely to for, like forget it exists, to be fair. And then I love this one. What are three interesting facts about Delaware? And from DelawareInc.com, interesting facts about Delaware. First, Delaware is the second smallest state. Oh, no, I clicked. Oh, God, it's gone. Hold <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, no, that's why I don't use a trackpad. First, fact, first interesting fact about Delaware, it is the second smallest state. Second interesting fact about Delaware, it is the lowest state with the average altitude of 60 feet. Third fact, Delaware has the fewest counties of any state. Fourth fact, the tax stuff. And really, there's not much more about here. That's, none of it is actually interesting things about Delaware. Right, yeah. The interesting things about Delaware, one of them, I like, I like that two of the, the, the quote-unquote most interesting facts are that it's small and that because it is small, it has very few counties. That's the same fact. Delaware, little. That's that's the fact. It's not even the smallest. Wow. So here, here's the first one that's actually like a thing that's an interesting fact about Delaware. Delaware is home to the Dover International Speedway, also known as the Monster Mile, which hosts two NASCAR races each year. Wow. Fancy. Do you know we're offending anyone that listens from Delaware? I have a feeling that it's a... It's probably not a low population. They probably somehow have like the eighth most people in the US. I have no idea how. All right. Point being... Cost of owning a home. <laughs> Delaware tangent. Are we done? We're done shitting on Delaware. We're done shitting on Delaware. Um, it's obviously going to to vary based on where you are living, but the average like size of a home lot in the U.S. is about a fifth of an acre, which is eighty six hundred square feet. That's going to run you about three hundred bucks in Wyoming, up to about thirty nine thousand in New Jersey. Median is obviously about two thousand, and then to actually get not just have land with literally no you know use to it to have you know electricity and running water and whatnot I, it was tough to find an exact amount on that i found a website talking about like setting up a manufactured home that had as site preparation which is like getting connections um, set up and all that they said about twenty five thousand dollars it seemed like that also included like a um you know leveling and like a foundation which i don't know if you you know will necessarily have all of that but let's say 20 to twenty five thousand dollars, and that's kind of all you need i would imagine that if you're buying a space you're probably going to want to get your own you know more permanent cooking site and you know put some kind of bathroom in which will be some more but it does seem like even in new jersey owning a relatively nice home quote unquote will be under a hundred thousand dollars probably like $75,000 and then, you know, maybe like 30 to 40 in say Wyoming, which is nice. That's pretty good as someone who's looked at the prices of homes. It turns out having a house is a large 
part of the cost of a home. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> but I think, honestly, I feel like that's going to be a pretty rare thing. I think that most people, because of this, you know, sort of cultural group living, most people will still live in some sort of community. I think that most people will still wind up kind of like doing the more mobile home slash trailer park type life. And it this is one of those ones where as I was answering this question, I just couldn't figure out any reason that people would actually keep doing this. But assuming we are, I think that's how it would go. That's all I can all I can for, say. Forgot how to build houses. I mean that's it's it's just like for some reason it just literally never we never thought about it. Or yeah, it's just not part of the culture. Like having a roof over your head is you know, too much. I guess, yeah. We all we all like the feeling of being able to, you know, feel the the wind in our hair as the rain, you know, falls over the turtle shell that we're cuddling within. This sounds awful. I don't know. Marcus, what did you do? <laughs> so yeah, so so you spent a lot of time looking at the cost of what it's gonna cost, you know, to have a shell to, to buy a home, all that. Um, what I went to is I went at the top of that spectrum and I'm like Let's say you are the richest man on earth. You have what is the luxury hermit shell? If you ha- if you could have anything you wanted in your shell, what are you gonna do? So start off with just the basics. You gotta have first. You gotta have a phone charger, obviously. Leather interior. I'm just thinking pop up tablet display. I think you could probably build in a mini fridge. You gotta have a banging speaker system, and you gotta have air conditioning because it's gonna be fucking hot in that thing. I think a lot of days. How are you gonna? fit all this stuff you just have like a it's like a you know if, if i imagine a shell and it kind of loops around like a snail shell so i imagine it like as a spiral and like in the back end of the spiral is where you build in most of the stuff so it has some thickness to the back end okay. and you kind of slot in the front it has some thickness in the back end all right yeah it's got, <laughs> it's got junk in that trunk so obviously we got a, we got a lot of stuff that is going to be in our shell. So my first question I was trying to answer is how to actually power all these things. And I started with solar panels. So an 18 square foot solar panel produces 265 watts. So that's 265 watts is like its rate of output. And then you multiply by how long you have those watts to get your you know your daily output in watt hours. We don't really have we. I think an 18 square foot solar panel is a bit too much for our shell. So if you follow the the shape of how I imagine the shell goes, I think you get about four square feet of effective area in our shell, kind of like a two by two on the back, which gives us a power output of 60 watts an hour, which is a total of 70, 720 watt hours per day, assuming we're in the sun for 12 hours. Which if we're outside, you know, that's not unreasonable. So how much power do we actually need? So let's look at some of our stuff that we got here. So we have, if you need to charge your phone each day. Um, takes about two to six watt hours, which is not a lot. Um, same thing, your your pop up tablet display about ten. Your mini fridge is the big is the first big one. So a mini fridge uses about six hundred and fifty watt hours per day. So if we're producing seven hundred twenty, that's basically all of it. <laughs> so if you charge your phone, your iPad, use your mini fridge and your speaker system, which runs best as I can tell about fifty watts an hour. We can only use our speaker system for about an hour in the day, which is kind of seems fine. Not where we want to be. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not bad. You could you, you you have days you could get away with it, but really, an hour is not enough if you were hosting a party. And two, you haven't even counted the air conditioner. The air conditioning unit uses a thousand watts an hour, and this is scaled down from like a home air conditioner. Your home air conditioner uses like three thousand to thirty five hundred watts. I feel like doing AC in an enclosed or like a, a shell is a pretty losing proposition, by the way. 
Well, actually, no, it's because it's better. It should be better insulated. It's actually a winning proposition. Well, but wait, but there's there's like an opening in the front of it always. Kind of, sort of. I guess you could put a door. But is that a shell then? I mean, if you like hammer a door into it or something. (laughs) 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 We'll we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. So the solar panel is not bad. So that that could that could be like that could probably be like a mid range model. Like you know, it has some features. It has the mini fridge, but it doesn't have the air conditioning. You know, you get the you get the half model. So I was looking at other ways to get power. And one of them I actually looked at was the human body, like your body heat. So the average resting male uses or generates 100 to 120 watts of energy. You know, to, that's just your body processes. And 80% of the human body's energy is wasted as body heat, meaning there's about 80 potential watts of energy we could try and capture to, you know, to up our system's efficiency. And they've tried to use humans as batteries before there's like examples of um wearable watches and things i saw this great documentary about it called the matrix i was gonna say um, the same thing <laughs> <laughs> you know if i had remember that that could if i remember that connection i could have gone a totally different direction with my hand yep because <laughs> there's nothing more like a, there's nothing more rich person than harvesting the energy of a bunch of poor people in their shells <laughs> but yeah so they, they had people they have like um you know concept watches that would like you know use your body heat but they generate like microwatts because one they're not cap you know they're only getting the heat of the surface of your wrist right there never mind your whole body and two the technology is not quite there but the i'm thinking if you're in this shell if you're in this enclosed space like the heat is really pretty contained in that shell so you could probably get a higher efficiency um but we don't have the tech right now to do that but it's not unrealistic to expect you'd be able to use your body to at least power your phone through the day which would be a nice, you know, emergency. You know, the emergency the emergency procedure is that you just heat up your shell and use that to charge your phone. Really, the, the practical answer is to just basically repurpose, like, a car engine and throw it in there. For example, if you take the Tesla Model S, it has a battery capacity of 100,000 watt hours, which is, like, 20 times more than we need to power all our amenities put together. So the if you have, you know, it involves you going to, you know, your bought plot of lot blot a bought plot of land bought plot is is a tough one <laughs> it involves going to that and charging up each day and then you know you have and then you can go through and you can have your electric you know your electric engine going you can also do a gas engine but i think one it'd be a bit loud and also i would worry about the heat generated from the gas engine because it's you know those things get pretty warm and you're in an enclosed space. So I don't want you to like cook yourself, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's a practical option. But that's not the rich person option. I think the rich person option is to go with nuclear power. So Charles Stevens of um, the Massachusetts R and D firm, laser power systems designed a concept for a nuclear power car engine that uses a thorium laser to turn water into pressurized steam to power an engine. It could produce 250 kilowatts of power, or it would be a 335 horsepower engine. And it would last basically indefinitely. The engine was part of a project that was, the concept was, could you create a car that would work without maintenance for 100 years? So I'm going to go with the nuclear power engine because that's cool as <laughs> all heck. When in doubt, go nuclear power. The only downside is that it does weigh 500 pounds. Hmm. Like day. But carrying around a 500-pound nuclear reactor is simply not something rich people do. So, <laughs> of course, your shell is going to need to be self-propelling. We've already got a car engine. So, 
all we really need is just the wheels and all the you know the other bits you would need and like i guess a retractable windscreen and you can just i, I imagine your, your shell just kind of like turns upwards so you're vertical and then you just drive it around like a segway but you have the rich guy segway so it's going to go pretty dang fast so the last not the last one here but now that we're now that we got all our stuff powered up and going um, I'll try to look at any other kind of quality of life issues you could try to hit with the shell. And I mentioned a couple times about being cooped up in this big old shell, and I imagine it's just going to get pretty rank pretty quickly. Especially, like, imagine, like, a, a old, like a leather couch that you're on, and it's all around you. You're going to start getting sweaty. It's going to be nasty. You can get some, like, air AC in there, you know? You can get your AC running, but you're going to have to get cleaned up at some point. So, in my head, I think the way to do it is that you actually have a shower function built into your shell so my question was how much water do, would you need to actually take a shower at, you know at a minimum so the average shower head uses about two and a half gallons of water per minute and you know you can do a pretty quick shower in about five minutes which is about a total of 12 and a half gallons of water which it's not unreasonably too much but it's a it's a lot of water to carry around so i think you can do it with less and the way i would do it is i think you just have your shell again you have the opening up vertical at the top and then the rest of it just fills with water, and then it just has jets that activate and effectively pressure wash you and your shell interior at the same time. So all you really need is just enough water to fill the shell, and you're good to go. And when I was thinking about that, it brought me to one, last, one point here, which is, do you wear clothes in your shell? God, I asked this question so many times when I was thinking about it, I decided <laughs> to ignore it. I was hoping no one would bring it up. So I think the answer... If your, shell, if your shell can support, I think the answer is no. Because, I, again, I think it's just a matter of comfort. It would be warm and you don't really need it. Because I imagine it's really just your shoulders up that are outside the shell. Um, so I think, the way, I think I, the way I would do it is I think you just have, like, a shirt collar with arms holes, like, with sleeves, like, sewn into the, to the exit of your shell. So, like, when you pop up out of your <laughs> shell, like, the, the exit is, like, a, the top half of a shirt. It's, it's like when you buy one of those, like, like a, um, a, a, a shirt with an integrated undershirt where it's just, like, the top of a shirt is, like, stapled to the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you just, it's all, you get it. Once you're in your shell, you're just, you're, just, you're always in a shirt, kind of. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> you're gonna hate me more in a second because I, I i hot added this to my notes while you're doing your answer ben because you mentioned it once or twice about going to the bathroom oh no do you leave your shell to go to the bathroom god i hope so <laughs> <laughs> according to ben's answer you do because i know you know hermit shells can, hermit crabs can leave their shells i don't know if they leave their shells to go to the bathroom or not i guess that'll be the way to answer this do hermit crabs poop in there shell i imagine not i would imagine <laughs> no all right how do hermit crabs poop hermit crabs actually excrete waste from a small opening underneath their bodies just before the abdomen inside their shells and they use their small legs called periopods which allow them to flick in quotes the waste out from under them inside the shell <laughs> oh, i hate it <laughs> i hate so it. yes hermit crabs do not leave their shell to poop and they literally just scoop it out with their legs so we're going to need a rich person solution for that. Oh, no. Is there like a button you press and it, it just like there's like an interior? It's a bidet. It's a bidet. Nah. Well, here's the problem. You're still in. You're at the exit section. I guess you could have a second exit if you have like a. No. So, so here's what you do. Here's what you do. The bidet is set up so it shoots out water 
that that it hits the back wall of the um shell and scoots out over the top right so it's just you poop and then trigger the bidet and it just launches out over you okay yeah i'll, I'll take it the best solution <laughs> sadly i mean if you're in a turtle shell there are other openings in a turtle shell that's true if we're going turtle shell as opposed to snail shell you have more options yeah so you can get you get by so we have power bidet is the answer here for for the poop problem and uh the last category I have written down here, even though I've said that it's been the last category like the last four times and corrected myself, is defenses. So hermit crabs actually will attach anemones to their shell for added protection. So they have like the hard shell, but then they'll also, you know, be symbiotic with the anemones because the anemones like that the hermit crabs walk around so they can, you know, filter feed better. And the hermit crabs like that, you know, anemones keep all the other fish off their back. And actually when hermit crabs switch shells, they'll take time to harvest their anemones off their previous shells and put and like bring them onto their new ones that's adorable <laughs> that's so cute and apparently the the way that the you know the way that they've evolved is that only the hermit crab has like the right like motions or claw like or you know pressure or technique to let have an anemone let go like it makes the it, it tricks the anemone or you know convinces the anemone to let go of its suction spot by you know tapping it with its legs a bunch of times and pulling it in different ways and no other animal can do that to the anemone so you're also going to need defenses because you know you don't really have predators but like if you have a really nice shell a lot of people are going to want your really nice shell and i can see definitely see there being crime of just like hey i'm gonna steal your shell and murder you that doesn't really happen with like cars. We don't. We don't Does. have like people steal cars. Like that's. Yeah, I guess, but it's not like a super widespread option. It's not a widespread option enough to like put a defense system on your car. People have alarms guess, on like, cars. Like an alarm. Locks yeah. and cars. Yeah, I, I don't know what kind locks. of defense system you have in in mind. Turrets. <laughs> so, so I started with the base. So one, I think it, I think it's you know sensitive, so that it locks if you are not the one in it. Like you know it'll. You can actually lock the person inside almost. So definitely something, you know, whether it's fingerprint or, you know, eyeball sensors, whatever. You have some fancy biosecurity. I don't know the word. You can make your, also, you can just make your shell out of a nice, sturdy, you know, bulletproof material on the outside. And I was kind of, when I was thinking about things, I realized I already have a defense system built into my shell. And I don't need anything better because my engine runs off of a nuclear-powered laser. So all I need is a device that turns that laser outward. <laughs> <laughs> And I got all the defenses that I need. So basically, beautiful shell, gives you a bath, shoots your poop over your head, and can shoot other people's shells with a laser if needed. You have a shower slash bath in your shell, but you have all these electronics in your shell too. Yeah, they'll be separated with like sufficient <laughs> seals and rubber gaskets and I all this I can't imagine stuff. how much space, like all this space you're imagining in the shell. I don't think you're going to have any of this space. <laughs> No, I mean, like, in my head when I was building this end, so basically you have the, the biggest thing is, like, the the engine block, quote-unquote. That's, like, the big back end of the shell. And then if you have, like, a foot of, you know, thickness to it, like, you can fit a lot in there. You can fit your little mini-fridge cooler. You can fit, like, all your phone and tablet stuff. You can fit all the electronics and air conditioning systems. Like, if your shell is just, like, a foot thick, you can fit a lot of this crap in there pretty easily. Okay. I'll, I'll do... Uh, you know, someday maybe I'll draw a diagram and, you know, really lay it all out for you. But you can make it work. And with that strong rebuttal from me, we can move on to our would-you-rather question. 
Ben. Yeah. Would you rather it always be daytime or always be nighttime? Are, okay, so very important question. Are we... So I feel like both of these options, we're all going to die. So we're going to <laughs> avoid that part. Yeah, let's say this is somehow localized to like your town right or like what if what if what if regardless weather patterns are the same there's no like you know the world just heats up forever because it's always sun or freeze because it's always night yeah there's definitely a there's definitely if we've talked about if the because this would mean that the world would be tidally locked against the sun and the sun would always be on one side and not on the other side and one half the planet burns and one freezes and nobody's happy yeah let's ignore that ignore that just for for you you're just saying it's magically day everywhere yep Exactly. Or magically night everywhere. Exactly. Like regardless of planet positions. <laughs> exactly. And and the day temperatures were always day temperatures, night temperatures were always night temperatures. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. So in that case, that's that I see I'm gonna say that makes it tougher, but we die either way the other way, so I don't know why it actually makes it tougher. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like the obvious answer is day. Just because I like being able to see things. I don't know. Yeah. Day, you don't waste as much power, probably, because you don't need as many lights. Yeah. But I also feel like in the summer, it's going to just be hot all the time. It will be hot. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. There's, so, like if, you're, like, if you're just looking at temperatures, like, evening temperatures get you from, like, late spring through most of, like, probably to mid-fall where it's comfortable. So you get like half the year at nighttime temperatures. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at, during daytime, the summer gets too hot, but the winter's still too cold. So all you get is like some of spring and fall. Yeah. So you get less comfortable days outside. There are way less activities that you can do outside during night than during day. That is true. I guess you just have like parks would always have like big lights up and stuff. Yeah, you just need like stadium lights. Yeah, exactly. But that's not that's not quite the same, right? Like, it's definitely a different vibe. I mean, like in terms of sleeping during the day, you can just get like blackout shades, and that should work fine. Yeah, it will still be like you know, it'll still be warmer though. Yeah, but Which I mean, you can have AC. have AC, and yeah, again, that's a waste of power, but but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once in once if you're inside, it really doesn't matter what time of day it is. Inside is comfortable enough, no matter right. what. Yeah, yeah. So it's really just when you're outside. Do you prefer it to be daytime or nighttime? I guess it's, I guess it's day daytime. Like, what are you gonna do? What kind of stuff are you gonna do at night if you don't have stadium lights? I'll go buy stadium lights. <laughs> Make a campfire. <laughs> Campfires all the time, which admittedly sounds pretty awesome. That actually does sound pretty awesome. That's actually a selling point for me now. You're gonna have a lot less variety, though. You will, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely true. I will also say that, like, on a more large scale thing, I feel like driving is obviously much more dangerous all the time. Yeah, I know that. I know that, like, like rates of like traffic collisions are much higher at night than than in the day. So, if that's yeah, always, there's a lot of obvious reasons for that. That's <laughs> pretty bad. Ooh, that that I mean, not that I don't think daytime is the, was the right. I wasn't leaning. I don't think I was leaning towards nighttime anyway. But that one's actually pretty big. I hate driving it. Right, ex- exactly. I I absolutely hate it. And it's it's it would just always be dry. I just hate driving then. Right, if it was always night. So, are there any negatives to daytime outside other than like heat? Not really. So it's like heat and sleeping and. I don't think sleeping is an issue, specifically outside, Marcus. Like. If we're, if we're saying that, like, indoorsy stuff is pretty much the same, 
Gotcha. You really can't go camping anymore if it's always daytime. I mean, camping at nighttime is way more dangerous. Like, if it's always night. I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess you really wouldn't want to if it's always night, huh? <laughs> Let's go sleep in a tent for no reason. Not going to see shit. <laughs> and I don't know, like, how that affects the animals, like, nocturnal. Would they still come out? Nocturnal animals? I guess they'd always I mean, all, be All animals are nocturnal now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like both of these suck more than I expected. I think I've made my decision though. Is anyone still on the fence? Um, nah, I think, really. I think we're. I think we're. I think we're ready. All right. I think even though both suck, I think always daytime sucks less. The driving thing gets me a lot. Yeah, I'll say that's a big one. I'm also picking daytime because the driving's one's a big one for me too. And also just like, I feel like it would be a bit depressing for it to be night all the time. Like, I don't think any of us are cool enough people to be, you know, night owls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also picking daytime. I really don't see, like you guys are saying this is really bad that it's always daytime. I don't really see it as being bad. I mean, I like doing stuff outside during the day, and then when I come home, it's pretty much just normal. I guess it's not that bad. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's just because it's like we're at the end of summer right now, and it's not that bad right now, but you know, recently it would just really suck to be outside during the day, and I kind of hate the idea of it being like that all the time. Yeah, I guess I guess the biggest negative for the daytime is that you lose more comfortable outdoor times. I mean, it is also going to be very, very cold in the winter at night. Yeah, you're just not going to go outside in the winter. But you wouldn't go outside in the winter if it's always daytime either. I mean... Because it's also just going to be freezing. The most comfortable, most comfortable time of the day is, like, in between day and night. So yeah. we wouldn't have that anymore in either scenario. So... <laughs> yeah. I guess I feel like it's easier to deal with it being cold outside than being warm outside. You just bundle up more. But there's only so many clothes you can take off when you go outside. I've always liked warm temperature more than cold temperature. So. I have not. No, I'm Camp Ben. I'm, 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 I agree with everything Ben's saying, which means it's probably time to end the episode before he says anything I don't agree with. I mean, all three of us pick the same thing. So we all said day. Yeah, but I agree with Ben's points more than your points. Mm, okay. <laughs> Which is not where you want to be. Well, I'm saying that daytime is good. You guys are saying daytime is bad, but it's less bad. <laughs> yeah, I stand by that. But guys, you know what's even better than day or nighttime? Ads time. Come to page. Come to our Patreon. www.patreon.com/absurdhypotheticals. Click the become a patron button. It's just one dollar a month, and you get access to all our behind-the-scenes episodes where we go into talking about how we make the show. We do, you know, we'll experiment with new types of things we're thinking about adding to the show. We'll brainstorm new concepts. All sorts of crazy things happen on the behind the scenes. And if you want to see those or hear those, because it's an audio format, uh, you can go over there. And we would very, very much appreciate it. But in any case, join us next Monday where we answer the following question. This one's going to be a science fair grab bag.